Let's it fly. Welcome to the Seeing Red Podcast. That's right, that's right. It is another edition here of the Seeing Red Podcast. My name is Troy Moriello, and as always, I am your host, bringing you up to date and up to speed on all things St. John's basketball. And if you're a loyal listener to the Seeing Red Podcast, you know that it's it's kind of unusual for us to be releasing an episode this late in the week. In fact, we never have released an episode this late in the week. That's because this is kind of a, a holiday special, a special holiday edition of the Seeing Red podcast. Uh, I know that a lot of people in the media industry or just in general have uh, have taken off from work this week and won't be in. But I, being the stand-up guy that I am and the hardworking guy that I am, am working to get a podcast out this week because how could I not get a preview podcast out for the biggest St. John and Seton Hall game in quite some time. That's why we're doing this sort of holiday special edition of the Seeing Red podcast. But as I said, that aforementioned holiday, I hope that everyone had a very Merry Christmas uh, earlier this week. I hope that everyone has a very Happy New Year later in the week. And uh, what better way to punctuate 2018 and to end 2018 and to ring in 2019 and ring in the new year when with probably the biggest St. John's and Seton Hall game in recent memory on Saturday night in the Prudential Center in Newark uh, could not be any more pumped if you're a St. John's fan or if you're a Seton Hall fan and you're not excited for this game then I don't know what to tell you um both fan bases have a lot to like through non-conference play. St. John's obviously undefeated at 12-0. Uh, Seton Hall right on their doorstep or uh, you know right on their tails uh, with a couple losses, but with upsets over Kentucky and a huge win over Maryland last week. So both these teams and both these fan bases have a lot to like. And uh, like I said, I, I can't remember in my lifetime a bigger St. John's and Seton Hall game. So we're going to preview that. And who better to preview that with than Zach Braziller? of the New York Post. He joins us for a second time this season. You'll remember Zach came on the show uh, at the end of October, actually, in one of our earliest episodes. He joined me, and uh, we talked a little bit about his preview for the season. So we'll get Zach's uh, reaction to the first 12 games of non-conference player, the first 12 games of the season. And we will also obviously preview this huge game in Newark on Saturday night. But... That's basically going to be the show today. It's going to be a little bit of a shorter episode, I think, um, just because, you know, it is a holiday edition and the game is coming up. So we want to get something out there for you guys. But I hope you guys enjoy the interview with Zach. He's great, as always, as Zach Braziller always is, has his finger on the pulse of both St. John's and Seton Hall. And uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy the interview. I hope everyone had a very Merry Christmas and we'll have a very Happy New Year. I will uh, be back on the other side to close this thing out. But I uh, hope everyone enjoys the interview and I will see you guys on the other side. Here it is, Zach Braziller. Enjoy it. Okay, we now are joined by the immortal Zach Braziller of the New York Post. He is on assignment down there in, uh, in Texas for the college football playoff on Saturday, but he's taking some time out of his uh, responsibilities there to join us to talk a little St. John's and Seton Hall. Zach, thank you for coming on, and uh, how are you doing tonight? Good. I'm, I'm doing well. I don't think uh, – I think my wife would, would have agreed with Immortal, 
Well, you're probably you're probably happy to get out of out of uh, New York. I'll, in the last three days, we've had freezing cold. We've had rain all day. We may have had an alien invasion last night. So uh, I'm sure. I, you're... <laughs> I saw. I, I live in Astoria. So that was kind of uh, close to where I live, actually. Oh yeah. Um, I, I didn't get. I didn't, I, mean, I had two flights canceled out here, so I didn't get out until early because I was Thursday morning. Um, but, uh, you know, it's not that was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not that warm here. It's kind of, you know, it's like 50s, even high 40s. So it's not like it's 75 degrees here, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah I've, actually, I've been to Texas once in, in, like, November, and it was a lot colder than I remember it being. And I, was, yeah. I was like, damn, what is it? Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I said last night, I was like, I was like you know, the one year that St. John's looks pretty competitive in Big East play, we'll have an alien invasion or something and ruining the season. <laughs> but yeah, um, it was a blue storm though, so it, it, if it was red, it would have been perfect. Exactly, yeah, it would have been a lot perfect. It was better if it was red. But uh, talking St. John's um, non-conference play, well, we had you on right before the uh, the season started, and now obviously they're still twelve and zero. They haven't lost since then. But I think you you had a good tweet. I want to say right after. Uh, the Sacred Heart game, where you said it, it kind of feels like they just held serve almost after the, especially after the 7-0 start, you know, playing, you know, not great competition, to be frank. Um, what do you think the uh, the confidence level should kind of be for fans going into Big East play? Like, what's what's a realistic, you know, confidence level for them? You know, I, I think they should be confident. I wouldn't be over-the-top confident, but I do think they should be confident. I mean, look, this team is 12 and 0. This is a team that has not done a lot of winning the last few years. So I, I, I don't have an issue with St. John's fans being excited and, and pumped up because look, you've lost a lot of games here under in the Bell era. So 12 and 0 is 12 and 0. I mean, you know, Marvin Clark a few times has said, you know, a few last year, even the year before, we lost some of these games, and he's right. I mean, mm-hmm. so you know, I do think it, it needs to be measured somewhat because. You haven't really played a lot of good teams, but look, you're winning games. St. John's is one game they, they would have lost past years. You know, the, the VCU game in overtime was tough. They were down big at Georgia Tech. They came back. Mm-hmm. Cal was not an easy game. They, they killed Rutgers, who's been pretty good at home for the most part. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Bowling Green game was tough. I mean, they, they pulled out some games, which maybe shows you this team is ready to win for real, but... Now, let's see what happens. I mean, it, it's hard to... I really don't know what to expect from this team starting on Saturday. I, I, I think they're they're going to be a good team. I think they're going to win at least 10, 11 Dickies games, but I really don't know because we haven't seen them against good competition for the most part. Mm-hmm. And you opened that up by talking about losing, and I think that... Unfortunately, you know these terrible Big East starts have kind of become a staple of the Mullen era. You know, it's the two of his three years here. It's kind of taken them until February to actually win a conference game. Uh, those first four games at Seton Hall, Marquette, at Georgetown, and at Villanova. That's you know three of the top, maybe three of the top five or six teams in the Big East, and at Georgetown, which is somewhere they've just been terrible lately. Uh, at least I had kind of have those poor starts in the back of my head. Uh, Aside from the talent level, though, why do you think this season will be different to start off Big East play? Well, I mean, I don't think you should say forget the talent level because the talent level is, you know, talent's what wins games. Talent is what makes coaches look good. <laughs> and this team's got a million guys who can score the ball. You know, we've seen it, we've seen it with how good Figueroa has been. Everyone knows about Paz. 
Tyron, I know he hasn't been great, but he had a big, he's coming off a big game. He, the guy could score. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just have so much offensive ability. You know, you, you take Mikey Dixon off the bench, and Greg Williams has shown you something lately. Um, I just, I mean, there's a sense of urgency here. I think this team knows they have to win. This coaching staff knows they have to win. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think there's a sense of urgency. I mean, I've been saying go two and two in the first four. If you want to get greedy, maybe three and one. But to me, it's important to at least split these first four. I, I, I for one, do not think Georgetown's very good. No. They don't play any defense. <laughs> uh, I think that's a game St. John should win. And then you got to get one of the other three. Um, and you're two and two. And look, I, I still, you know, if you if you split the first two, you can then get greedy and say we can get, you know, we can get three and one. But to me, it's just important just to start off at least two and two to kind of set the you know, set the stage for the rest of the year. And, you know, the bad stuff for the East is not a bold thing, too. I mean, Lavin's teams always started terrible in the league as well. I mean, <laughs> yeah. this is something that's been happening for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, Lavin, like both teams always were kind of, if February really got going, but I mean, even his tournament teams, only, you know, the last, the last year, that team that made the tournament she really struggled early. The year before, they got up to a terrible start. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not just this coaching staff, you know, this is something that's, that's been going on for a while in this program. <laughs> the, the one guy who could probably do the most in changing that is Shamori Pons. Uh, we've seen him kind of take over games when he's needed, you know, like you mentioned, Cal, VCU, Georgia Tech. Uh, especially in the last, you know, couple games, though, we've seen him kind of more play within the flow of the game, let the game come to him, get his teammates involved, be efficient, but maybe score a little bit less. Um, it's easy to do that against, you know, Sacred Heart and, you know, uh, St. Francis. Maybe a little bit tougher to do that against, you know, Marquette, Villanova. Um, do you see this kind of style of play continuing from him? Or do you see just almost out of necessity him becoming, you know, more of the scoring threat volume shooter that we've seen uh, him be for much of his career? You know, it's hard to say. I mean, when you look at the close games this year, it's really been pause kind of taking over late. You know, when these games get tight and the competition's better, you know, all the ball moving kind of seems to stop. Yeah. This happens with a lot of teams, you know. Yeah. You kind of go back into bad habits of, you know, guys going one-on-one, guys playing hero ball, and, and that's happened with St. John's like it does with so many other teams. You know, look at VCU, look at Cal, look at Georgia Tech. Those games were won by Ponds just taking over and going one on one. So I'll be interested to see if if this game is tight late. Is this is this going to go back to the Ponds show, or are they going to continue to play the way that they've been playing lately, which is sharing the ball? You know, not isolation basketball. It, look, it, this is not a St. John's problem. This is stuff that happens everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, when you get in tight spots, you kind of go back into what what you're used to and what you think works. But I don't think there's any question St. John's is better when Pons is, you know, being a playmaker than when Pons is scoring 40. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he'll do it out of necessity, and you like that you have that guy there who can do that. But I do think it's important for this for this program that they, they, they continue to be a balanced team. And we'll see if that happens now when these games, you know, when we start seeing these really close nail-biters come along. Mm-hmm. And as we enter B's play now, 
we expect the return of CDK to uh, soon. You, you, I think you made a good point um, a while ago that we don't really know what he brings to the table or you know the impact that he's going to have on this team. He hasn't really played much. Um, but how do you kind of see him fitting in? I mean, Marvin Clark, in my opinion, has done a really, really good job filling in at the five for Kata. You know, he's, he's shot the ball a lot better uh, recently. So how, how do you see Kana kind of fitting into this lineup uh, when he does come back, presumably in the near future? Um, you know, I've, I've asked Chris a few times about this. And look, he's made it clear. I mean, this this small ball line is something they're going to use a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't see Kata coming back and all of a sudden playing 30 minutes here. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think he's going to have a role for this team. But I think it's more of in the 10, that 10 to 15 minute range, maybe 15 to 20 at most. I mean, you know, what, what, what makes this team so tough and so poet is when you put these five guys out there, when, when you can put Clark, Figueroa, Simon, Heron, and Pons out there, they're an impossible team to guard when they yeah. move the ball. Mm-hmm. And look, they're going to need Tana at some point. There's no question against bigger teams. They rebounded the ball well for the most part without it, which is a bit of a surprise. But like we said, the, the schedule, they haven't faced a lot of good teams. They're going to need him, but I, I did not see him being one of their three or four key players. I, I see him being a probably their seventh man, sixth man, a guy who will help them off the bench, you know, maybe start once in a while against maybe against a Georgetown mm-hmm. um, or someone like that who has a really good big guy. But I still think this team is at its best when they play this five guard lineup of scorers and shooters. Mm-hmm. I agree. I mean that's their five best players. I, I agree with you there. Um Let's get into now this this preview of, of, of Saturday night's game. I think the storyline going in, at least for St. John's, you know, we've been talking about it now for really a couple of weeks that if they win this game, they'll almost certainly be ranked in the top 25. You know, the only unbeaten team that's not ranked right now, and this win would really give them that one signature win that gets them in. But I think Seton Hall has a legitimate chance to crack the top 25 with a win here. I mean, they'd have wins over, you know, as you know, Kentucky, at Maryland, Miami, and then St. John's if they're able to win this one. Do you think they, they're kind of playing for a chance to crack the top 25 as well? Yeah, I mean, I also think you have to realize it, it, it depends on what happens. Yeah, exactly. If yeah. No, no team loses, <laughs> uh, you know, Volans aren't just going to drop them because St. John's has a good win. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm surprised that Seton Hall honestly doesn't have more votes. I agree. I mean, their resume is very good. I know they have three losses, but, you know, one is on the road to Nebraska, who's a very good team. Um, you know, what, what, you know, one is St. Louis, who's a quality team, and then Louisville at home, which is a quality team. So I, I think Seton Hall has a very good resume. I, I think they should at least be closer to be ranked than they are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the Warriors game has a real argument, but I, it also depends on who who loses. I mean, you know, voters aren't just going to drop a team, <laughs> you know, coming off wins. So, I, and, and look, I, I get it. They, the poll matters. It matters to the schools, you know, to the programs, it matters to fans. But in the long run, it, it really does. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about resume. It's all about your metrics. It's all about your record. It, the, the poll in the long run, really, that's what's great about college basketball is it doesn't mean anything. Because you have so many voters who really don't pay attention. Uh, for any of my listeners, I would suggest following Gary Parrish on Twitter. Mm-hmm. He has a weekly column with, poll, with the polls attack, which is hilarious, mm-hmm, yeah. about voters who are clearly not paying attention. <laughs> um, you know, so, but yeah, I, like, I get it. It is important. It does help. You know, it is a headline to get ranked, but when we look at the long run, it really is insignificant. Mm-hmm. And, and breaking down Seton, De- Seton Hall now a little bit, 
Um, they, you know, you kind of see some similarities with them in St. John's in that obviously everything in their offense goes through Miles Powell with his 23 points per game, but they seem a little bit more reliant on Powell than St. John's is on Shimori Pons. Obviously, they have uh, Kale with that shot against Kentucky, uh, NZ who's back. Um, you know, they have some guys that score, you know, 10 points a game around there. But, uh, you know, who should St. John's really be worried about, uh, you know, taking over this game besides Miles Powell, who we, we can expect to, you know, score his usual 20 something points? Yeah, I mean, to me, the guy is Miles Kale. Mm-hmm. Um, he was huge against Kentucky, yep. he played great against Maryland. He had about 25. You know, he's a talented guy. He can sometimes get out of control. He his decision making isn't great, but he's a very athletic wing. Um, you know, to me, seeing the ball is at its best when other guys are scoring. As good as Powell can be, if they, it's kind of like St. John's. If they have to rely on him to score 35, 40 points, it's going to create problems. Yeah. Now the the guy, uh, I might even try to pronounce the last name, but the big kid, Sandro, <laughs> Sandro he's yeah. got a lot of he's got a lot of ability. He can put the ball on the floor. He's athletic. You know, he's not a bruiser. But he can rebound and block some shots. He's a guy that I think has a world of potential and is only going to get better. And I can see him really hurting St. John's. I don't think they'll have as much of a problem as Z, who's kind of a plotter. Mm-hmm. You know, isn't a great athlete. But Sandro could really give them trouble because of his legs, because of his ability to shoot the ball from three. Mm-hmm. I mean, although St. John's still struggles defending the three. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, him, him and Kale. You, you live it. She is big. She holds us score the ball great. They're better defensively than St. John's. They have more depth, but they do not have a lot of they do not have a lot of guys who can get their own shot. A lot of it depends on Powell. And and I'm St. John's. I I don't. I single Powell. I said let him score 35. <laughs> We're going to shut everyone else down. And that to me is the way to go here. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not gonna. I, I you know I would not worry as much about. Making sure Paolo scores, making sure some of the other guys don't get open shots and get going. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned the depth of of Seton Hall. Uh, we've seen St. John's, you know, extend the bench a little bit in these last couple games, which is nice to see. Do you see Seton Hall's depth, you know, playing a factor in this game, and do you see St. John's, you know, relative lack of depth uh, hurting them, you know, going forward in Big East play because they are they have extended the bench a little bit in the last couple games. I don't think it's going to be too big of an issue. I mean, last year they were playing five guys. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's you know, they're, they're playing, you know, right now, now that Greg Williams is kind of in the rotation, they're they're playing eight. Mm-hmm. Once Kane gets back, they'll be playing nine. So that, to me, is more than enough. You know, Steve Hall isn't going to press you. I, I don't think that's going to be an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really don't. I, I'm, I'm glad to see Bowen getting Greg Williams in there more. To me, he's a guy that should play all year. I agree. He's a he's a big athlete. You've seen it already. He can defend. He isn't a bad offensive player. He can hit an open three. To me, he's a guy that can really help this team. I like to see it, but I like to see them go to him on power a little bit. Use his fouls. Let him let him run or chase power around instead of making. You know, Simon or Pond do it and tire, tire out. I, I would throw Brick Woods on him for a few minutes and, and see what he could do. I mean, this, this kid's from a winning program. He, to me, I was glad, it was good to see them start to work him in. And I, I would, I would to me, if I'm playing him or triple, I'd be playing him every day. Yeah, oh, I agree, for sure. Um, and, and looking at some other matchups for St. John's now, uh, where do you kind of see them exploiting Seton Hall? You know, wh- where's that one thing that St. Johnson kind of take control of in this game? You know, Seton Hall likes to play multiple uh, big guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I can see, I can see uh, 
I can see Figueroa and Clark really having big games from deep or even beating them off the dribble. I, I you know, I can see Seton Hall playing some zone to protect itself against mismatches. Um, I know they're going to, you know, one issue, one area that Seton Hall really struggles is if you get Quincy McKnight in foul trouble, they really struggle defending on the perimeter. He's mm-hmm. clear, he's by far their best defender. Mm-hmm. He's, he's had a, after a kind of a slow start, he's really come on. But if you can get him into some early foul trouble, they have to go to Anthony Nelson, who as talented as he is as a freshman, is not a good defender, has really had some issues defending. Uh, Powell has skills are up, but he's not a great defender. If you can, you get McKnight on the bench, St. John's can really explode, expose them off dribble penetration and, and and with their guard play. I, I think that's one area that could really, really uh, be something to look at here. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not going to force you to make a pick here for this game, but um, you said that you, you think you could see St. John's winning about 10 to 11 Big East games. Uh, who do you see winning more Big East games this season, St. John's or Seton Hall? I can honestly see them winning the same amount. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, maybe, that's, maybe I'm taking the easy route way out here. Um, I, but I could. I, I think they're both going to make the tournament. I, I really do. I, I love seeing them play. I think St. John's is, is a good team. I think too many people are, are harpy on the schedule. Look, we know the schedule's bad. We've known it since, since August. It's nothing new. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But there's something to be said for the amount of games they want. They have, they have, to be positive, be a first round pick. He's playing so well. Figueroa mm-hmm. has been better than anyone anticipated. Herod will be fine. Simon and Clark are, are very, very nice players. Dixon gives you a lot of the bench. Kato, Kato will help you eventually. I think Greg Williams is going to be a factor for this team. This is a, a good team. This is a talented team. And I know everyone loves to look at the coaching. And look, I'm right there with them. I, I have taken <laughs> shots at the coaching staff on to, at, at times also. But they've made good adjustments. You see the last few games, they're really starting to send the three better. Um, their focus has been better. You know, I, I think this team makes the tournament. I think they're going to win 11 Big East games, and I think Seattle will be right there. I mean, with them, I, I, Miles Powell is as good of an off guard as there is in the country. Mm-hmm. I like their their sophomores and Kale and Sandro. NC's a really good veteran presence. I, I think we're going to have both these teams in tournaments for the first time since the year 2000, which would be great around here. You know, I, I you know, instead of talking about spring training baseball, we get everyone talking about college hoops. You know, yeah, because we're definitely not talking about NBA. That's for sure. In uh, in March, but um, unless we're talking about the NBA draft. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> so, well, last question here. Uh, you know, ten or eleven wins for Seton Hall that gets them in the tournament for sure. Um, Oh, I think Ted gets of it. Yeah, I so I said I, I write down the nine three. If they get to, I even said if they get to eighteen nineteen with they're in mm-hmm. because their non conference is so good. Mm-hmm. That Kentucky win is going to look better and better as the year goes on. So is Maryland. Um, St. Louis to me is going to make the tournament. Yeah, yeah. Louisville, I think, has a shot. So I mean, you know. I, I think Seton Hall is definitely with 19. I think Seton John's. You know, I was talking to someone the other day who who really knows the ins and outs of the selection committee. He said 10, they'll be sweating hard. 11, there might be some concern, but they should be fine. 12, they'll be a lock. Mm-hmm. I think they'll get 11, and they'll be you know pretty safely in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I've seen some people saying 12, and I think that might be a little bit high. But that yeah, 12, they're they're definitely in. But I think in the 10 or 11 range, they should be have a, be in good shape as well. Um, but Thank you, Zach, for coming on and uh, and taking some time out of your uh, college football duties to uh, to help us out here. I'm, I'm sure that the the playoffs. I, I know. I'm going to hear the question, so let's just touch on it. The latest on Tate's injury—he's <laughs> still not practicing with the team. Yep. Um, 
I talked to someone who believes he's going to be back within the first three Big East games. Mm-hmm. You know, until he starts practice, you know, he's got to get a few practices in here. But look, there's no reason to rush him. I think he's going to be back relatively soon. Uh, he's, he's pro- you know, he's progressing. He's doing well. Look, St. John's going to take a breath. <laughs> I, I don't think they're going to win or lose. Like, they're going to win or lose based on their stars. Yeah. I think Kane can help. But I don't, I don't know if he's going to be the difference between winning or losing a game. <laughs> I, I strongly considered messing with you a little bit and, and asking that first, uh, but I, I, I didn't want, I didn't want to upset you there. I, I figured. Oh, look, I, Sam's are interested. I, under, I understand. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. And interested fans, our coaches hate talking about injuries, so you know, Chris doesn't, you know. His favorite line is, "I'm not a doctor." So. <laughs> exactly, but yeah, um, enjoy the uh, the Notre Dame game. My 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 pick is that uh, either Clemson or Alabama goes down because because if I know wow. anything about college sports, you, you know when something seems too obvious, it's not going to happen, and I don't think that we're going to get a Clemson Alabama. Oh. But you know, I think just you could get Notre Dame because I don't think there's any way that Oklahoma beats Alabama. I think that game is 62-28. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see. I think Notre Dame's going to be competitive. I think too many people are kind of burying them. This is a good team. I agree. Um, I could see. I, I picked Clemson by a touchdown, but mm-hmm. I could see Notre Dame winning. I agree. I think they got a real shot. I think you definitely have the uh, the better of the of the two college football players. Yeah, games, yeah. I, sure. <laughs> I, and it's the early game, so I'll be able to watch some St. John's and Lobo support. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right, man. Uh, thank you for coming on again. Uh, enjoy the game. My and, pleasure. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, we can talk to you again. Maybe uh, you know some point in Big East play. Yeah, no, no doubt. Just uh, anytime. All right, have a good one, man. Ah. Okay, another huge thank you to Zach Braziller of the New York Post, uh, you know, for taking some time after his college football duties, putting on his college basketball cap, and helping us preview the huge game between St. John's and Seton Hall on Saturday night in the Prudential Center. Um, you know, Zach does a great job. Like I said at the start of the show, really no one has uh, their finger more on the pulse of St. John's and Seton Hall and all of the you know New York City metropolitan area teams than Zach. And you know we we are forever grateful to him on this podcast for uh, you know him coming on uh, earlier in the season or before the season actually early in this podcast uh, when he came on and you know really helped legitimize this podcast in my mind and uh, helped us kind of grow our audience and maybe gain some audience members that we wouldn't have had without his help so we're forever thankful to Zach hopefully we can have him on again maybe uh, before the Big East tournament and uh, you know at some point later down the road and uh, he can help us break down and do a great job as always but yeah that just about closes out the show uh, huge game doesn't really bear repeating on Saturday night I will be around the Prudential Center all day I will be there for the game so if you see me definitely come up and say hi give me a shout as always and uh, yeah uh, hope you guys enjoy the game hopefully we get a win I will be back probably uh, Tuesday night for a uh, recap of the St. John's and Marquette game not sure who the guest is going to be just yet but we will be here recapping that one as well so that's something to look forward to and uh, we will look forward to tonight's game or tomorrow night's game against Seton Hall and that's it go Johnny's